Shalom and welcome to The Jewish Mind, where the growth of modernity meets the timeless wisdom and solutions of Judaism. So let me begin with saying that this lecture is going to contain a plethora of fundamental Kabbalistic and Hasidic teachings, moving at a rapid speed. I suggest that you receive the notes to the class in order to be able to read them at your own pace as well. You can receive them by emailing me at thejewishmind at icloud.com. Put in the subject line, a request for the class notes. Additionally, if you have any questions or simply need more clarifications, you can email your questions to me as well at thejewishmind at icloud.com. The small business guru Michael Gerber, in his book The E-Myth Revisited, explains why such a small percentage of small businesses survive past the five-year mark. It is because people open up their business as workers rather than as entrepreneurs. Gerber gives the example of a Miss Sue who was a great baker working in someone else's bakery. Sue was continuously prompted by family and friends that she should open her own bakery rather than work in someone else's bakery. However, when Sue did open her own bakery, it became a nightmare as she baked, handled the bills, and all the other burdensome details of having to run her own business. The reason for this is that Sue remained a worker, a hamster in a wheel, and a rat in a rat race. Sue never went through the internal change from being a worker to becoming an entrepreneur. In other words, Sue was working in her business and not on her business. Workers work in a business while entrepreneurs work on a business. Let us say it in these words. The product of Sue the worker is baked goods, while the product of Sue the entrepreneur is a bakery which can turn into a franchise or a corporation sold on the stock exchange. Does that help clarify the difference between a worker working in her business and an entrepreneur working on her business? Napoleon Hill, commissioned by Andrew Carnegie, worked 10 years on researching the secret to success of the wealthiest people in his time. In his book, Think and Grow Rich, Hill speaks of a commonality amongst all successful people is that they connect with a higher intelligence. This connection with higher intelligence gifts the individual with what Hill defines as the sixth sense, creative imagination. In Hill's words, and I quote, The faculty of creative imagination is the direct link between the finite mind of man and infinite intelligence. All so-called revelations referred to in the realm of religion and all discoveries of basic or new principles in the field of invention take place through the faculty of creative imagination. End quote. In this lecture, based on a teaching of the Rebbe delivered in 1966 upon the difference between the twelve princes of the tribes of Israel bringing inaugurative sacrifices upon the altar and Aaron the high priest inaugurative kindling of the menorah, we will understand how to apply these two great secrets of success. Firstly, in the primary business of life called self, and then to our source of income. 
I will give you a list of the introductions that we need to understand before we can enter a spiritual dimension of Gerber's and Hill's secret to financial success. Here's the list. 1. The difference between the spiritual realms of Atzilut and Bria. 2. The Sea of King Solomon. 3. The difference between our people being divided into 12 tribes and our people being defined by the seven branches of the menorah. And four, the difference between the sun and the moon in their original and latter states. Okay, let's begin. In the teaching of Kabbalah Chassidus, the universe is divided into three primary categories. That of before Atzilus, Atzilus itself, and of Biyah which stands for, Bia is an acronym, which stands for Bria, meaning creation, Yitzira means formation, and Asiya means action. The last category of Bia is in essence one category with three stages in which the universe becomes a separated identity of ego. For this lecture, we are going to explain only the latter two categories of Atzilut and of Bia, in which we will be focusing only on the realm of Bria of the Bria category. Okay. Two, interesting enough, in the book of Kings, we are told in detail of how King Solomon built a holy temple, and in addition to that, there is a precise description of King Solomon's sea called Yam Shel Shlomo, Sea of Solomon. Kabbalah and Hasidus therefore see, see deep mystical significance to the Sea of Solomon. You can read about the entire magnificent details of the sea in the books of Kings 1, chapter 7. I will only quote the one verse, verse 44, necessary for our lecture. And the one sea and the twelve oxen under the sea. What is the significance of the number twelve? And why were the base of the sea made of twelve oxen, animals, golden animals, copper animals, I believe. The world of Bria manifests the, world, the words in Genesis, and from there it's separated, meaning that the conscience of creation was no more within the oneness of God. However, the beginning of the verse states, and I quote, and a river flowed out of Eden, end quote, which means that there was a flow that came forth from the realm of oneness and God conscious of Atsilus. So let us understand. The world of Atsilas has ten emanations made up of two categories. A. The three intellects of wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. And B. The seven emotions. The seven emotions are made up of the six male emotions. And the seventh emotion is the feminine mystique of Malchut, kingship. The emanation of kingship is the recipient of the higher world, which then becomes the crown and source of the lower world, Bria. The six male emotions are kindness, strength, beauty, victory, splendor, and foundation. These six emotions create the six directions of a three-dimensional box. Top, bottom, north, east, south, and west. When you bring these six directions together to touch each other, you now have 12 corner angles. There are the four horizontal corner angles of where the top touches north, east, south, and west. There are the four horizontal corner angles where the bottom touch the four directions. 
And then there are the four vertical corners of northeast, southeast, southwest, and northwest. Thus, when kingship brings to the world of Bria the expressions of the lights of the six male emotions of Attilus, it manifests itself in the number 12, the 12 corner angles. This is the secret of the Sea of Solomon, in which the Sea of Malchut of Atzilus is drawing lights into the 12 oxen of Berea. So why oxen, as in animals? Why not something else? In the book of Ezekiel, you will find a prophecy called Maase Markova, in which Ezekiel gives a detailed description of the throne of glory. A throne represents the king sitting, which is a weaker revelation than the king standing. Thus, the throne of glory is in the realm of Bria and not in the realm of Atsilus. It is on this throne that we are introduced to animals, as the prophet describes the faces of a lion, an ox, and an eagle. Ezekiel then goes on to say that upon the throne sat that which was as the image of a man. What this means to us in our lecture is that the world of Bria is the place from which comes the animalistic soul within us, while upon Bria, in the realm of Atsilos, is where the image of man, our godly soul, comes from. This is also what our sages teach us, that our forefathers, Abram, Isaac, and Jacob, are in the realm of the total oneness of Atsilos, while Jacob's sons are the twelve tribes of Israel as we exist in the ego of separation, in the realm of Bria. What we have learned so far is that Atsilus is the experience and conscious of total oneness and divinity in which the vessels of the emanations are absolutely transparent to the infinite light shining into them. Thus in our personal lives it is the experience of the godly soul. Bria on the other hand is the experience and consciousness of separation and ego, in which the vessels have an opaqueness which blocks and conceals the illumination of light. Within our lives, this is the experience of our animalistic soul. What we also understand is that in the world of Bria, we are primarily identified by the 12 angles, the corner angles, while in the world of Atsilus, we are primarily identified by the seven emotion emanations. This is also the secret of why when the Jewish people left Egypt, the Sea of Reeds split into 12 canals, while Isaiah tells us that in the final redemption, the river will split into seven streams. The exodus of Egypt empowered us to connect our three-dimensional existence to its animalistic soul's source in kingship of Atsilus, while the final redemption will empower us to connect our existence within Atsilus to our godly soul's source in the supernal wisdom and supernal crown. The last introduction for us to understand for this lecture is the paradox in the verse that speaks of God creating the sun and the moon. The verse says, And God made the two great luminaries, the great luminary to rule the day and the lesser luminary to rule the night. First God calls the sun and the moon two great luminaries, and then, goes, then, then God goes on to call the sun a great luminary and the moon the lesser luminary. The sun represents the light of the ineffable tetragrammaton, while the moon represents the vessel of the name Elohim. 
Originally, the vessel was to be absolutely transparent, and thus they were both great luminaries. However, then the source of sin evolved, and the vessel of Elohim began to become opaque, and now the moon became the lesser luminary. The same happened with Adam and Eve. Originally, their bodies, handcrafted by God, was absolutely transparent to the light of their souls. However, once they committed the sin of eating from the forbidden fruit of the tree of knowledge, their vessels, their bodies, and animalistic souls became opaque and became lesser. Thus, the offspring of Adam and Eve now face the universal struggle of the concealment of the vessel of Elohim, concealing the light of the Tetragrammaton, and the individual struggle of the animalistic soul, concealing the light of our godly soul. However, Hasidus teaches us that a descent is for the reason of an ascent. The reason why the name Elohim, the moon, was diminished and descended into the realm of concealment is because through the name Elohim we can reach into an unprecedented experience of divinity, which is the realm of divine pleasure, which is the inner dimension of the supernal crown, called Atika Kadisha, the, holy, the ancient holy one. It is only through the descent and concealment of the lesser luminary, Elohim, that mankind is offered the opportunity of the precious service of refinement and elevation, which brings into elevation, I'm sorry, which brings into revelation the Atika Kadisha pleasure. This is the mystical meaning of the verse in Genesis. And Sarah said, Laughter, meaning pleasure, made me Elohim. Sarah is saying that it was only through the descent of Elohim that allowed for Sarah to draw greater lights into the universe. Thus, our sages connect the word Elohim made me with the word and God made the two great luminaries, meaning that the precious service of mankind in refining and elevating the concealment of Elohim is for the purpose of drawing greater light into the two great luminaries. The same applies to Aaron, through kindling the seven lamps of the menorah, when the verse then concludes with, and I quote, Aaron yavayas, and Aaron made, he did so. Here too the sages connect the word made with the word made by Sarah, which is connected to the word made by the great luminaries, teaching us that through Aaron's kindling the menorah, Aaron drew the great lights of Atika Kadisha. Now we can enter into the lecture, bringing all these introductions together, paving for us clear and practical path to getting beyond the rat race and to begin living successfully. Our sages question, why does our Torah portion begin with Aaron kindling the menorah? The answer is connected with the conclusion of last week's Torah portion, in which we are taught how the twelve princes of the tribes of Israel each brought the inaugurative sacrifices on the altar on behalf of their tribe. Aaron became crestfallen that he was not to bring anything for the inauguration of the tabernacle on behalf of his tribe, the tribe of Levi. God then commanded Aaron concerning the daily kindling of the menorah, saying to Aaron, Yours is greater than theirs. Some, comment some commentaries explain this phenomenon of yours is greater than theirs through the miracle of Hanukkah. 
sacrifices would stop with the destruction of the Holy Temple, while kindling a menorah will continue on throughout the exile with lighting the Hanukkah menorah. However, Kabbalah and Hasidus take us to the heart of the difference between sacrifices upon the altar and the kindling of the menorah, of which yours, kindling the menorah, is greater than theirs, of the sac bringing sacrifices on the altar. The first difference between the inauguration performed by the twelve princes of the tribes of Israel and the inauguration performed by Aaron the high priest is that Aaron's kindling of the menorah came from God's directive while the sacrifices of the twelve princes came from their own initiative only to later be accepted by God. Thus, their story begins with, let me quote you the verses, the chieftains brought offerings for the dedication of the altar on the day it was anointed. The chieftains presented their offerings in front of the altar. The Lord said to Moses, One chieftain each day, one chieftain each day shall present his offering for the dedication of the altar. While Aaron's story begins with, let me quote to you the verse, The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to Aaron and say to him, When you light the lamps. In, in essence, this difference lay at the heart of the differences between the two types of service. The entire concept of a, a sacrifice, mystically speaking, is where the person turns to his animalistic soul and A, as is, B, brings it on the outer altar in the courtyard of the temple, and C, is elevated there by the fire, representing the godly soul as she has descended into the realm of separations, the worlds of Biah, the courtyard. Now, the kindling of the menorah, on the other hand, is kindled, A, only from pure olive oil crushed for lighting, which is defined as, must crush the olives in a mortar, not grind them in a mill, so that they will not contain sediment, and only extracted the first drop of oil. B, in the holy temple itself, that's where it was kindled, and C, represents the elevation of the godly soul as she is within the oneness of Atsilas from the external layer of kingship to the internal essence of kingship to the six male emotions through the oil which represents wisdom unto above and beyond Atsilas into the supernal crown. This is the mystical secret of the verse's directive. When you light the lamps, the seven lamps shall cast their light toward the face of the menorah which means that Aaron elevates the menorah of the godly soul as she exists in the expression of seven branches up to the face of the menorah, the internal essence of kingship, through the oil of supreme wisdom, and elevates the godly soul to her eternal source in the ancient Holy One. Thus, the difference between the man-made arousal from below of the twelve princes and the God-made arousal of above to Aaron is that the twelve princes elevated the animalistic soul from the twelve corner angles of separation in the realm of Bria to the seven branches of unity in Atsilus, while Aaron's kindling of the menorah elevated the godly soul from the seven branches of unity in Atsilus to the essence of the supernal crown. When the godly soul is working 
on refining the animalistic soul and on elevating the animalistic soul, this is the man-made engagement of working in your business of self. While when the godly soul is working on elevating herself into the essence source, this is the God-made engagement of working on your business of self. However, we need to understand one last detail to Aaron's empowering us to working on your business of self. We explained earlier concerning the creation of the sun and the moon, which represents God's names of the ineffable Tetragrammaton and Elohim, that it is specifically working with Elohim that brings about the ascent into the divine pleasure of the ancient Holy One. Thus, there needs to be the work from the lesser, the moon, which means the arousal and refinement from below. Seemingly, Aaron's entire work was inspired from above and was the work of drawing the supernal oil from above onto the seven branches below. The answer is that before God inspired and commanded the kindling of the menorah from above, first Aaron had to arouse within himself the yearning of feeling crestfallen and feeling distressed over not being in service to God by partaking for himself and his tribe in the inauguration of the tabernacle. This feeling of being distanced and being crestfallen and distressed by it is Aaron's working, refining, and elevating the Elohim descent, bringing the elevation of the kindling of the menorah into the essence pleasure of the ancient Holy One. Now we can truly appreciate the depths of God's telling Aaron that yours is greater than theirs. The ultimate experience of working the descent of Elohim is based on the teaching in the Talmud, empty vessels can be made to hold, filled vessels cannot be made to hold. The consciousness created by separation fills one with an identity of ego and self. When one is full of ego and self, one cannot be filled with essence pleasure of God. One must first experience being an empty vessel before one can be filled with the higher intelligence of the supernal oil of wisdom, through which one can then be elevated into the essence pleasure of God. When one is working on self-refinement of their animalistic soul's passion and characteristics, one is busy working in your business of self. However, when one is able to let go and to step out of the ego and self and to just empty his vessel with a strong sense of yearning, of feeling crestfallen and distressed from being distanced from God and from not being able to fully serve God, then even his working the Elohim descent is all about working on your business of self and connecting with higher intelligence. In closing, there is a difference between working in our primary business of self and working on our primary business of self. Life's mission is not the perfection of self, in which we pursue self-perfection through self-discipline. Many of us get caught in the rat race of self-knowledge and self-perfection. To do so is to live our lives working in our business of self. It gets us stuck in a subtle ego of self of our animalistic soul and its finite source. This then denies us from connecting with the higher intelligence of our godly soul and its infinite source. 
The mission in life is to let go of our ego, including the subtle ego of self-refinement in order to become a conduit for God's infinite light to shine through us into the world in all that we do. When, as Aaron the High Priest, we let go of even the refinement and elevation of self and allow, and allow ourselves to be used as pure olive oil for the illumination of God's infinite light, then we are inspired by higher intelligence and experience creative imagination. This is what opens us up to experience exponential success in all areas of life including in our financial lives as well. Friends, modernity offers growth and growth comes with challenges. Judaism offers timeless divine solutions. Here at the platform of the Jewish mind is where modernity meets Judaism.